Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey, it's Sam Amick from The Athletic, and you can listen to me, Fred Katz, and Anthony Slater break down the inside story of what is happening in the NBA. Latest news, trades, signings, all of the above. Latest action on the floor. Be sure to listen and subscribe to The Athletic NBA Show and listen to Tampering every Tuesday. Welcome to The Athletic NBA Show, Monday through Friday on The Athletic Podcast Network. Coming up on today's show, we talk about Steph Curry's crazy run, Fred Van Vliet's comments about the season and money. And the Celtics are strangely looking better. Who's their best young talent? Nick Claxton? We got Kevin Knox, bitch. Bruh. New York strip steak? Ooh. This is the Basketball Buds. Braised beef short ribs? Dang. With Zach Harper and your favorite athletic writers. Get mad at me, bro. I'm gone. Welcome to an all-new episode of the Brooklyn Net. I mean, wait, the Basketball Buds. I am Dave DeFore <laughs> filling in as host for Zach Harper. Uh, we, we got Waz out this week. Zach's out this week. I've been out the last two weeks. Uh, mainstays of the program, Jay King. What's up, Jay? What up, baby? Trevon Edwards. What's up, Trey? What's going on? And we got James Edwards. Uh, are you filling in, or are we? Is this a tryout? What's happening now, James? I don't. I don't know. The Midwest has something to say, and, and I'm here to. <laughs> and I'm here to say it. Yeah. What about the Pistons, though? Do we have to? I have to deal with them. I have a, today's an off day. No Pistons talk on on Sundays. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's start with something fun. I mean, look, Steph Curry has been absolutely ridiculous uh, here lately for for the Warriors. He he says this is the best run of his career. Now I'm not sure about that. It's been what nine games, and, and he's been he's been fantastic. That 15, 16 season, you know, we got maybe not this high for that long, but I feel like we at least hit this level at some point during the season. But uh, this is just nine games, and what's really been a crazy season for him. What does he have to do to get MVP? Like this is my uh, issue. With- no, no, no. This isn't baseball. You got to win games. But that's this is my it's the most valuable player. If the Warriors do not have Steph or if Steph is not playing at this level, we're literally talking about a 12 win team. And he has them with 28 wins in the nine spot. He's doing everything he can. I think to me, like where where does it start? Like, I get it. You have to win games, but he's also without him. The Warriors we're laughing at. We're not talking about the Warriors. It's over. It's there. We've buried them and added extra extra gravel and, and sand. I think Steph, if he gets them in the playoffs. We got to get him an MVP. I'm just I'll, I don't know. Maybe I'm an idiot. I disagree, uh, James. Yeah. And <laughs> the reason why I say that cool, he's averaging 42.6 in the last five shooting exceptionally well, but just giving the scoring champ shit and just move him out the way. <laughs> Cause you know what I mean? Cause they're still losing <laughs> yeah. ball games, bro. Like their last 10, 500. Good. They're playing. I don't, I don't think any of those players are, are really enthused to get into a playing game, but if they're in that situation, they're going to make the best of it and be a tough matchup for whoever they're match up against. But overall, um, you just don't get the MVP that way. 
You know what I'm saying? Like guys yeah. are just filling it up. If we we're gonna go throughout this show and we're gonna talk about the last 13 games, the scoring numbers have been ridiculous. Like there's a record after record after record being broken each franchise. So I don't think that yes, he's the most valuable to his team, but they're not like fourth in the West. And I think that's that's where Dave was saying, like, no, he can't be an MVP. You know what I mean? But that's but we, not his fault. Hey man, but but again, Look, it's if not the baseball. world worked that way, then a lot of people would be MVPs. <laughs> it just doesn't we, we work need, that way. It, and we, although, we need a best player in the NBA award and an MVP award. I would love that. I would love that. Honestly, our offensive player of the year and a defensive player of the year, and and all this other stuff that you kind of squeeze and say, oh well, he did it with less effort. Let's kind of break it down to that point. But injuries happen. Things happen. Teams are bad. Teams are good. And this team isn't that good. But they are competing and, you know, they lost their rookie and I'm going to lob that to somebody else, obviously, so we can <laughs> highlight James Wiseman. You know what I mean? But I'm just saying in general, they lost their rookie and it has kind of made them play a little bit better. What's what's ridiculous about Steph is that he is scoring 30 every night super efficiently on a diet of shots. That's just insane, even by his standards. And, and like, that team is built in a way that teams can double Steph. Teams can sell out to guard Steph, and none of it matters. And that's what's craziest to me is, like, all these teams, they they know they only need to guard Steph. The Warriors have no other shooting. <laughs> they have <laughs> no other, like, efficient scorers. They have very little outside of Steph offensively and still – He's shooting 50% from the field, 50% from threes, and hitting like 10 threes a game over his last five or six games. It, we've and never Jay, seen anything I like this. I got a crazy stat. Even from him, we've stat. never seen anything like this. First of all, he's hit 253s in 49 games played. That, that's nuts. He's going to hit 300 threes in a 72-game season, and he's not going to play all 72. That, League of his own. He, of literally. His own. League of one. Um, literally, all I closest. hear is Steph Curry is the best player on the planet, and James can just we, got shut can, up. Can, I mean, can we make our slander consistent, though? Like, <laughs> we're rewarding, we're rewarding, we're rewarding points with losses. I want it to be as consistent as it was for Jordan when you know. At that, well, point, my, I go back to Russell Westbrook when when I hear too, people starting to too. say it right? should be just down the line, Dave. Yeah, because I thought like Russ doing averaging a triple double. We obviously because we all pay attention to stats, and he's the first guy to do it in forever. And, and like he won that award, and I I actually thought Kawhi or James Harden should have won that season because of the wins. Like I think that that's one of the things that does differentiate the NBA MVP from like baseball. Like A Rod one year was the MVP of the league because he hit 52 home runs on a 25-win team. The NBA can't have that because it's a team sport. You know, like A-Rod standing out individually in baseball where you can really say that guy's playing alone a lot of the time, I think it's easier to do. But but with basketball, it just doesn't work that way. And I'm glad it doesn't. I mean, look, I sit here and I think about Jokic, you know, being the MVP, but the Nuggets are in the four seed. And I have to, I struggle with that a little bit. Because traditionally, I've always thought, you know, top two, maybe third seed. But, man, fourth or worse? I don't I don't know. I have to recalibrate for this season because it's been so odd. Guys have been in and out of the lineup. And now Jokic, you know, dealing with the whole Jamal Murray 
missing time or missing the rest of the season. So I, I just, I don't know, man. Steph is not like he's having a great season, a great individual season, but basketball is a team sport. It's a, it's a very, very, very clear demarcation in that. I, I think that it's important that these teams win. If you're the MVP. One man, thing that could stop that season. He's having a great individual season. Point right. blank period. That's it. We're not taking care. We're not taking care. I mean, we're not taking credit from anything else that he's doing. We're highlighting that, but his team is bad. But so in, in, <laughs> with that, and I hear you guys are saying I agree, but that's always been my issue with the MVP award that it's not Steph's fault. His team sucks and he's doing everything to get the best out of him. So with that logic, though, the Lakers staying afloat without LeBron and AD, does that take anything away from LeBron as the MVP? He's not in my conversation. Okay. I, I know yeah. some nah, people do. I know nah, it's not it's, your guys. And, and, and it's, yeah. it's changed. It's changed mm-hmm. often. I, early on, yeah, I wanted to give him credit for that. But obviously, he's been hurt. And then, and they've you been know, okay. he's missed. First of all, that's it. He got hurt. So that, like, kind of just really pushed him out of the conversation. Right. Then Joel yeah. Embiid, he's kind of showing flashes of that now. But Jokic is still sitting kind of pretty. I even tried to give Donovan Mitchell some love, but guess what happened? He got hurt, too. So. Right. I, I don't want to get into the, for any of those MVP guys. I don't want to get us too lost in the weeds on the MVP stuff. There's going to be a lot of people that say Jokic is kind of winning a war of attrition, and basically just because he's available, his impact the, the stats are that. absolutely nuts. By the way, I mean his impact stats are through the roof. So I mean, but that's a conversation for when he actually wins the award. Does which Rudy I think Gobert belong in the conversation? Oh, d- I mean no. I just wanted to make sure you agree with me. I just wanted to make sure. Oh, yeah, we're on the same page. I want to talk about Wiseman, though, because it it feels like the Warriors, like things are opening up a little bit because, I mean, look, let's face it. Rookie bigs just aren't good, and they can show flashes, and I think Wiseman has shown a lot of flashes this year, guys, but he's not like a good player yet. So they're just getting better minutes. They're playing Draymond more at the five. You know, Wiggins running more pick and roll. I, I, I think that... Things are going to open up for them, especially now. I mean, I, I think Samus Fondiari just posted that Steph Curry's usage is up about five percentage points during this nine-game run or so. And that seems like that's the path to success for this team if they're going to make the play-in. Would any of you guys want to play the Warriors in a play-in game? Nope. Nope, because they have the not. best player and, on the planet. And, and, if you're the Utah Jazz and the Warriors wind up winning the play-in and being the eighth seed, and, and listen, man, I respect the Jazz as much as anybody. Do you want to play against Steph Curry? Especially now Donovan Mitchell is going to be coming off a high ankle sprain. Oof. No, nah, they're, they're not a threat. <laughs> I don't know, man. They're not a threat. I, I think if you, if you commit to playing Draymond by, Green by... full-time at the center, and he's your center, you don't he's mess around, you don't get Rudy. cute. Yep. I think that that's a scary 1-8 matchup or 1-play-in, whatever they wind up being. I mean, they're only three games out of the seven seed, by see, the way. See, I don't think they're a, a, a real threat at all just because the supporting cast is so bad. But but I think that's part of what's what's made this run by Steph special is that, like, Clay got hurt right before the season. And this team knew that their chance of winning a title this year was over. Like, that day, they knew it was gone. And you see a lot of a lot of guys, you know, they, they take it easy when when things are down and and or they they go they go another way you know they they sit out longer with injuries they 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 go the other way and Steph hasn't at all and you can you can see like the the team not being great 
has not robbed him of what really makes him special, which is like that joy and that flair he brings to the court. And I think that that's that's pretty unique. Like to still have that when your team is 500 and and you're out there running with like Andrew Wiggins as your second option and you're out there with a bunch of guys who probably wouldn't have played any minutes at all on your better teams and and he hasn't lost that. And he's he's putting together this run despite all of that. He's still digging deep and doing this, which I really respect. And I don't think there are too many guys in the league who would do what he's done um, in the situation that he's in. Like, like that that gets to guys, and he just hasn't let it get to him. <coughs> MVP. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, okay, so um, Fred Van Vliet had some comments. And, and look, this has been a running theme this entire season. We've talked about it a lot on this show. I mean, we did a Nerder episode that was all about empathy and how this year is so weird and you know how we, we all – should try maybe to put ourselves in the shoes of these players and, and some of the things that they're dealing with. But he, his comments were, were interesting to me for a couple of reasons. I, I'll just read the last little bit. To be honest, this is probably the most unpure year of basketball I've ever been a part of. Just the whole league and rushing the season back. Now, I mean, this sounds true to me. It's, this sounds, it seems awful. I don't think a lot of guys seem like they're having fun. The, we know the injuries are going nuts right now running rampant, the schedule is just seems crushing. And then you have COVID protocols being away from family for, for these guys on the Raptors uh, in some cases, but definitely not being home in Toronto. Uh, it certainly has been a rough season. I can completely understand every sentiment that he expressed. But I want to ask you guys, do you think he'd be saying this if the Raptors were winning games? If they were going to the playoffs, if they were a top four seed, would he say this? I mean, the the old saying is what? Win, uh, winning cures everything? I, mean, I agree. I don't think he would necessarily be saying this if, if they were winning and and guys were, were, were happy on a day-to-day basis. They liked the way they're performing. There was optimism going forward. Certainly, I think it would be toned down a little bit. But I think he's right. I mean, as you guys can probably attest to, um, me as a beat writer, I didn't want this season to start until things were close to normal like this has been a dread to cover everything through zoom i cover a team i've been covering this team for four years and i've met two players on the the roster in person it's just it's absolute it's frustrating just trying to do your job and i can't imagine for these guys who are still traveling as if things are normal aren't able to really get like a release and go out in these cities they have to wake up early to do these testings um for the raptors case how many games did van vliet and siaka miss because of covid um 
I mean, you can go down the line. I just, it's, he's right. I mean, the league rushed back to, for money. Um, it hasn't been the greatest circumstances for these guys to do their job and to live their life. They had to be locked down for a year like we did. Um, and now you ask them to, to be free, but I mean, it's almost more like a tease where they're at least able to travel and go to these cities, but they're not able to do anything that that could be more difficult than what we're doing, where we're just kind of just straight up locked down for the most part. So there are a lot of times, James, where I wonder if some of these guys might not retroactively have preferred a bubble because it seemed like the downtime there was at least enjoyable. Yeah. You got to see your buddies. You got to do stuff. uh, You got to be out and about without strict restrictions. Um, I, I think that's a good point. I think they probably would now at getting this far into the, the not even whatever you call this season. I don't know. Trey, a a lot of cynics are going to say, and, and and I, I mean, I understand it completely. Didn't we all know that this was kind of how it was going to be going in and and there are trade-offs to be made because of how much money's involved. They knew. Yeah. I mean, I I, look, I like to sympathize with all these types of stories, but no, no, (laughs) at the end of the day, dog, like they wouldn't trade, they wouldn't trade it for, you know, anything in the world. And like I said, if it's if they were winning, this is not a conversation, um, you know. Uh, and they also know that money's involved, and it's also a part of the game as injuries and guys talking about short recovery time. It was a downtime that a lot of people kind of breeze over from March 11th or March 13th to June-ish. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, exactly. It's just that their schedules are thrown off. And people don't like change. That's it. That's it, man. Because it's like normally it's like, oh, I got the summer to really relax. And now everything is kind of shifted where I got to play a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Or I have to do this, that, and the third. And nobody likes any change. You know what I mean? Like that's trying to convince anybody that's used to something that they've they've had to do. And now their rhythm is all off. You know what I mean? But think about the guys that were sitting at home. Guys like Trevor Reza. You know, guys like Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas. To stay ready. And mentally lock in that way. You know what I'm saying? So um, it comes with the territory. You know what I mean? Like I said, mm-hmm. it's unfortunate um, what happened with, you know, Jason Tatum and a couple other guys that are experiencing, you know, COVID-like uh, long-term effects. But they make so much money, dude. <laughs> like you you easily can walk away from the game and say, I don't want to play no more. And there's plenty of players that did that. You know what I'm saying? Respectively. They just mm-hmm. they just had it. And But the guys that really want to do it, they know what it's about. You know what I mean? Like the football, yeah, even, exactly. NFL, even NFL added an extra week. Come on, dog. Like y'all know what y'all doing. So, I mean, it's cool to say like, oh, I didn't really, you know, it's it's not it's not meaningful. I've even heard fans say that like, oh, this year just didn't feel like it's actual basketball. But it's actual, you know why it doesn't feel like that? Because real life is shitty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like there's right. shootings every right. day. COVID, you know what I'm saying? We just finally got a vaccine that we are, you know, willing to take and 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 actually kind of get somewhat back to normal. You know what I mean? It's kind of like working from home, going from your desk to bed. That's how the NBA season has been for some a lot of players. And they just haven't been able to hit the road and, you know, go out occasionally, go get a dinner. It's just to the room, order room service. You know, if you if you have the vaccine, maybe you get a, a visitor or whatnot. We well, can't even go to the movies or anything. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Your whole livelihood is taken away. Yeah. And I think that's the part that's playing the role is because everybody has money at this point, even the people yeah. that's well, at the crib. See, now money is the important. See, that's the that's the thing. And Jay, I want to ask you this. Like the irony here is that the same day he says this, that, you know, it just feels like it's all about money. 
the Raptors were fined for resting players. Yeah, and and here's the thing, like Van Vliet's comments, I didn't take that as complaints. Like I, I just took no, that, no, no, no. It, like that was just Statement a truth. Of fact. It, it, mm-hmm. They've had to play in Tampa Bay, even though you know they've signed to play with the Toronto Raptors. And they've been away from everything they're used to. They've been in a city that that their team isn't supposed to be. They've they've dealt with tons of COVID cases, um, which has helped push them out of the playoff race or into a you know tough spot to try to get it even into the playing game. And and so you know losing it complicates all the issues too. You know like like if, if you're doing that and you're a top three seed. And you're making all those sacrifices to to test and to not go out on the road, and you're not. They're not allowed to even go to restaurants and stuff on the road. Um, they're not allowed to see family or friends on the road. Like the restrictions are real. Um, and if if you're the Nets or the Sixers and you have a title chance, that's one thing. But if you're the Raptors and you're in eleventh place, and all these things have been happening, like that's just a tough year. And I think everyone understood this was going to be a tough year. Everyone was into doing it anyway because of the money involved but i i get it from a player's perspective man like it is really really difficult and and honestly like the raptors have had it as as tough as anyone yeah they they've had like like they've had their season dismantled by by all all the covid stuff so i i i can feel what what van vliet is saying i really don't think he he meant it as a complaint it's just the truth of the matter and this is a season that that teams are just gonna have to get through um to kind of get hopefully back to some semblance of normalcy next season i think he spoke for a lot of players in the league again like i I don't think this is a unique feeling to just fred van vliet or the raptors And, and you talked about COVID hitting that team hard i mean there aren't a lot of teams that haven't been hit hard by health and safety protocols or injuries, which maybe we can attribute to, you know, the, the schedule being compressed, right? Like guys having to play more games in fewer nights, less rest coming off, you know, especially the, the, when you look at the guys who have been down, the big names that have been down and we just saw them playing in the, in the bubble, you know, late into the season. And now we get to a point, I mean, you know, LeBron is down, AD has been down. Jamal Murray goes down with the knee and, and, you know, these aren't all overuse injuries or certainly not all overuse injuries, but we do know that the compression of the schedule contributes to injuries long-term, especially. And so, you know, I just think we're getting to the point where the grind of the season has just worn these guys down. especially, like you said, you're not playing for anything. You almost wish that the, the league would let them just say, you know, let's let's cut bait, but you can't do it because you've you've got to finish the competitive part of the schedule, I guess. And I think the the backlash to all of this, like like players are facing criticisms um, for not living up to their own expectations or or the expectations people have for them in a season that is just as difficult as probably it's ever been. You know, and and like as, as a guy who covers the Celtics, like. People were calling for Brad Stevens's job. People were calling for, for they were calling Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown selfish and and saying all this stuff. And it's like, like sure, but those like you can have your fair critiques, but also like understand these guys are going through a ton of stuff. Jason Tatum is now using an inhaler, and and like 
like these this stuff is real and it's it's dragged down players and and when you also have the backlash on top of that and the criticism and all the heat from failing to live up to expectations it's like so, sometimes sometimes you do wonder like like p- these guys aren't aren't seen as humans you know and i think van vliet just kind of put it into perspective like like these are guys that are dealing through a lot just like people are throughout the country and sometimes it's like hard to be at your best um with everything going on yeah i mean we we look at them on tv right and i think that is part of the disconnect is that they're just characters on a television show that comes on every night and, and it does get lost certainly uh well you you mentioned the celtics and you mentioned jason tatum and, and the inhaler and they're on our list of things to talk about so figured we could just jump right there um the celtics have struggled this year i mean it, it, they're now the four seed as we're recording this on Sunday afternoon. Uh, clearly, they look much better. Clearly, Jason Tatum looks much better. Do you think that this is more about just recovery generally? Or do you, do you think like just being able to breathe was the big <laughs> differentiator for me because or for him? Because it certainly seems like things have really turned around from a late game energy perspective for him. Yeah, you look at his stats and, you know, he came back from – COVID right before February and was very open, as open as any player probably has been about the impact of COVID. He stunk in February comparatively, you know, relatively speaking. And if you throw out February, he's been fantastic this year. And and he's surging again, kind of like he surged last 29.5 in his last 13. Yeah, his, his last 13 games and doing that on 50, 40, 90 shooting. So and shooting more threes and getting to the hoop a little more, drawing more free throws. So his play has just really raised, and I, I think a lot of factors go into that. Um, first, he's healthy. Second, the Celtics are getting healthier. So, you know, they were playing two center lineups at the beginning of the season with Daniel Tyson, Tristan Thompson. Like, obviously, that's not an ideal look, but also it makes things tougher on Jason Tatum, tougher to get to the hoop. There's not a, enough space for him and Jalen Brown. And I think, like, now that their team makes more sense and they're playing one center at a time and they have more capable guys around Tatum and Brown, then life is easier on them. And we're seeing the effects of that. And, and the Celtics, like they're, they've kind of been what, what everyone expected they would be at the beginning of the season over these last few weeks. I mean, don't forget, look, they, when they lost Marcus smart for, for that chunk of time, that set them back. I, I thought, cause they were, they were, Looked like they were getting their legs under him a little bit. And then Marcus Smart goes out and it just fell apart. And, and you know, we talked about this before the season, the lack of playmaking for them. Well, we're, we're seeing a little bit more of that, Trey, from, from Kemba Walker. A little bit more of a facilitator role, kind of taking a, a step back to a certain degree from what we think of Kemba as a scorer. But it's working for him. Man, Kemba always deserves respect that he, you know what I mean? I thought... You know, Jay, Jay's there on the ground, obviously seeing it every day. And I just thought the Boston fans were so fickle with him and just not allowing him to grow into his role and just understanding. Like, and he's been a great vet to those young guys that are just continue to get better and better and better and be the cornerstones of this franchise. And now, even more, he's just kind of just being the, the OG and just kind of, you know, helping Tatum, helping Brown whoever it may be and and making the right plays and just being the floor general that they need um, and making big plays. You know what I'm saying? Like overall, you know, I just, I just think that 
you just have to be patient, especially that was a huge adjustment in the expectations of like, okay, you're feeling, you know, you, you coming in to replace a Kyrie Irving the first year and then obviously injuries nagged and then obviously just in and out of the lineup, you know, the start of the season, he didn't start up. And I think he's kind of back to what he's need to be. And, and as the advanced Kimball Walker now, you know what I'm saying? His IQ is a little bit higher. He's going to be making all the right plays. He doesn't have to do so much because you have two all-star wings you're playing with. Yeah, no, he said something something that was kind of funny after their most recent game. He said he had to get used to basically not feeling his knee pain. Like he had to he had to get used to to feeling like like he was healthy again, you know, and and being able to do the moves. Like he he, he was so used to playing in pain that now that he doesn't have the pain, he just thought it would still be there, you know. And so I think that's part of it. And then. His last eight games, he's averaging 6.5 assists. His usage rate has gone way down. He's taking a backseat to Tatum and Brown and really letting those guys flourish. And that's that's been Kemba's M.O. from the beginning in Boston. He he wants everybody else to shine. And I think for this team to be great, he kind of has to play. I say this all the time um, on my Celtics podcast, but he kind of has to play like that Tony Parker role where right. where he's willing to take that backseat to – to the the team stars, but then on any given night, he can give you 30 and and take advantage of a matchup. You know, he's a guy I think gets a little bit lost in in the shuffle when we're thinking about the condensed schedule. It's hard. Like, it's very easy for us to forget that he's been playing hurt since what? August, for sure. And maybe even before that. I mean, you know, this isn't the first knee thing, but we know like he was dealing with this knee issue. In August, yeah, dating back to the All Star break of last season, yeah, it it, it just seems like guys are are, get, are figuring out where to get in, where they fit in, um, and kind of just like what Jay was saying, Kemba's one getting healthier and learning to play with just the daily grind of being an older NBA point guard, uh, but two, yeah, he's deferring more to Jason and 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 uh, Jalen, and I think those two guys are doing a better job of playing off one another. I think Jason, we're talking about his scoring, but I think he's shown flashes as a, as a playmaker these last few games as well. It just feels like a team that we've talked about it a bunch. I've, I know I've talked about it with Jay. It's it's a team that's obviously star-based, but people just – Tatum and Brown are still so young, and it's it, it's it was always going to take time. And clearly Ainge invested and believed in what he had there. Didn't, he didn't make moves. Moves got close, whatever the thing may be. But those two were always going to be take them as far as they could. And Kemba figuring out how to play off them was going to be the bread and butter for them. And I think they're at a point now where everyone's healthy. Uh, Jason obviously has turned a corner with his health. Jalen's been fine pretty much. Um, and then and then Kemba's figuring it out. And I just think guys are figuring out how to play with one another, getting in where they fit in, playing off one another. And when you have three guys like that, you're going to win ball games, and you're going to turn a corner. And I, I just think that the time has come. Patience is is a virtue, and uh, it, everybody's reactionary. You guys know how it is, and I, I think yeah. the, the Celtics are always going to be that team that you just had to be. They're always going to give you a little bit less than what you wanted, simply because they came out of the gates with those two the last few years so hot. But you still have to be patient with them. I mean, how old is Tatum? Twenty three, and 23, Brown's twenty, yeah. and Brown is twenty. 23, 22, 24. So yeah, like, <laughs> just chill out. I don't, yeah, losing, I always thought it was crazy. Losing Gordon Hayward, right? Like, it, that that was a huge setback for this season, particularly. I, I think, you know, I, and they weren't able to ever recover from that. You know, 
they signed Tristan Thompson thinking, okay, well, maybe we'll get a little bit more heft inside. You're going to have to play Embiid. You're going to have to deal with Giannis. Like there are all these, these reasons. But I, I think when you just go back to the Gordon Hayward thing, that's been the guy that they've missed all year. Yeah. And all year. And, and Fournier will replace some of that as, as soon as he gets out of health and safety protocol. But I think also, like, even getting Romeo Lankford back was important. Yeah. Because you look at the Celtic, like, their bench was basically, for a while, it was just point guards and centers. <laughs> Seven and one since it, he's back, right? It was like they were playing Jeff Teague and Peyton Pritchard together. They were playing Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice together. Like, those aren't, those aren't pairings that are set up for success. And Romeo Lankford, like, he's not great, but he's a 6'5", long, athletic, switchable guy. And they needed another guy like that. And so that changes the defensive versatility. It changes what Stevens can can do. It, it changes the strategies they can use. And so, you know, once Fournier comes back, he should add to that as another wing with size. And so they've gone from a team that basically, like, when Marcus Smart was out, it was like only Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were versatile wings. And in the in the NBA, like, you need a, you need more than that. Um, well, no, they no added matter somebody, how good though. those two guys now, hold are. on. Danny Ainge, he went out and he got him some help. And Trey, like, you know, this guy played for your Bulls, and I, I know he was big time for you there. What can they expect out of Jabari Parker? I mean, that's huge, right? You're going to get a couple points a game. Man, I'm so happy for Jabari Parker, man. I'm not even going to lie, dude. He's, he's so I young. I am, too. Like, a lot he's of people forget go. that he's super young. Like, had the he's knee been problems. in the league for – And that's the thing. He's been a journeyman and trying to figure it out and find things. And I thought he was – he was solid, you know, in his debut, his Celtics debut. So um, the more and more people believe in him and continue to support him, I think that he's going to be all right, you know, overall. But, um, again, I, I like it, you know, and he's going to do what he's going to do. Um, I'm rooting for him. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's not it's not too much of a crazy axe out of him. You know what I mean? Like, they don't need him to do a bunch of shooting. They don't need him to do a bunch of – a little bit of anything. Just try to defend – you know, a little bit, I guess, three, three to five, maybe, if that, you know, use that body and, you know, add some little offense. Just just be something. You know what I mean? But uh, Like worse Evan Turner? Is that what we're thinking, Jay? Yeah, I, I, I think, I, I think th- that's kind of the idea is to just rejuvenate a guy, right? And, right. And for Evan Turner, like he said before he got to the Celtics, he, he didn't like playing basketball anymore. And... And sometimes, like sometimes, it's that that simple for a guy. It's like, you, like you bring him in, you you put him in a situation where you need him a little bit, and and you kind of bring that back to life. And and that's what they're trying to do with Jabari Parker: get him in good shape. Um, they've been looking for a, a guy with power forward type size uh, since losing Hayward, and and he's six eight, two fifty. Like he he's a big big dude with a lot of skill for putting the ball in the basket. And so I think there's some downsides to the move. Obviously, he's not a great defender. They'll they'll need to work on that. They'll need to get him in better shape. But, you know, he comes in, immediately scores 11 points in his, in his debut, was playing crunch time minutes, which shocked the hell out of me. And and you, you can see, like, why they took a, a flyer on him because like even though his career hasn't gone the way anyone or a lot of people expected, he's still been a bucket at every stop of his career. Like anytime he's gotten a chance to play, he's put the ball through the hoop. And so, so, you know, he can do that and he's got that talent. Um, but I, I don't think they expect too, too much out of him, but just, it was, it was a low, low risk, 
uh, potentially high reward signing. Yeah, you hope it's a wake up call, right? Yeah. Like clearly, like you said, Jay, he's been able to get a bucket everywhere, but. I mean, there's also reasons, like you said, why he hasn't stuck. And maybe you hoped that during that down period for him, he he learned that he has to play some type of defense. The Celtics are going to need just something. Um, they know can he, he can play score. center at all. You know, yeah, like, like can we try he, that? They're going to try it. Brad Brad Stevens said he's going to try Jabari Parker at center, so that'll be interesting. Uh, and, if, and if you're Jabari, you look at guys around the league who are built like you, and that's the way your position, your body type is going. You have to adjust, and you hope that he had that realization during that that down period for him. Maybe he's got a Jeff Green turn to his career where he's just a small ball five that hangs on, and I don't know. I mean, I, I'd i like to see it. And like you said, Jay, he can definitely get you a few points here and there. Um, another team I think we need to talk about is the Wizards. Uh, Russell Westbrook has actually been playing well and, you know, we all hammer Russ when he's not playing well. I think maybe we don't talk about him enough when he's, when he's doing okay. Um, they've been on a nice little run here recently. They're, they've won six of seven. They said he was washed. Well, okay. <laughs> We're not saying that he's not, Trey, <laughs> but he's had a good run. He's been pretty good. Yeah, the Wizards are, they're surprising right now. You know, they might be starting to figure some stuff out. Six out of seven. Their their defense during that span has been fourth best in the league. Their offense is – they're like a weird team um, in that – Well, because they're potent. Yeah. They have like, a potent offense. They've got yeah. – And yet they cannot win games consistently. I mean, you know, they're 23 and 33. I just – you know, for for – just a little bit of context when we're recording this. So it's not like they've really lit the world on fire, but they certainly look better now than they did, you know, a month ago. And they look better a month ago than they did a month before that. Like there's been a progression. I think people forget how young this team is too, a little bit, James. Yeah, no, certainly. And I think a big thing when you watch the Wizards, they're not a three-point shooting team. They're not predicated on that. Berton's missed a lot of time early, and he's been back since most of April. I think he just had a kid, so he's missed the last two. But, I mean, there's three-point shooting right there. You bring a guy like Daniel Gafford in, who's just – they've had issues at the center spot. Uh, I mean, you look, Thomas Bryant's – I think he's done for the year, if I'm not mistaken. So you had a guy like Gafford, a high-energy guy, a guy who can rim run, a guy who's willing to do the dirty stuff. They're just starting – they've pieced together – it's not the most beautiful picture, but they've pieced around the edges, and they needed a center who could bring activity. Alex Len has provided some solid minutes. Um, Ish Smith just came back from – he was in COVID. That gives you a a capable backup point guard. Um, Rui is – I don't think he's played as well as of late, but he was solid uh, for most of the last month or so. But yeah, I mean, getting Bertans back is huge. It was a team that if they were going to do anything, he was their third piece. He was the guy that was going to add some spacing to an offense that really doesn't have much spacing, even though they found ways to score without it. But they found ways to stay in ball games, adding that extra shooting. They found ways to at least be active defensively adding somebody like Gafford and just not be a complete negative, even though they're still bad. Uh, when you have guys like Russ and, and Bradley, you're going to be able to be in some ball games, but it was just rounding out the, the margins for that team. And I think they've done an okay job of doing so. To, to me, the defensive piece is most important. Like that yeah. was mm-hmm. one of the worst defenses in, in the history of basketball last season. And it has been in the bottom 10 for most of this season. They've been surging defensively. 
and and I, I I know Russ deserves a lot of credit for the way he's playing, and and you know Bradley Beal has been Beal is still scoring like year. crazy. Yeah, but but to me, like that team goes from all right, they can beat you every once in a while to pretty interesting if they can actually defend as they have been of late. I mean, Trey, like we barely even talk about Bradley Beal and he's leading the league in scoring. And so it's one of these things where, okay, so Beal has been doing what is his job for most of the season. And now everyone else is starting to step up and you have to sit and think, where do they go from here? I mean, this isn't a playoff team. And, you know, maybe they, they make the play in because, unfortunately, Trey, your Bulls, you know, Zach Levine is, is going to be out for a little bit. But what do they do this summer? You know, are they going to buy out Russ? I don't know that there's a trade market. Like, how do you capitalize on, on the growth that you're seeing out of your young guys and not hamstring yourself by trying to, I don't know, push in and and maybe you're going to be the fifth seed next year. How, like, how do they wedge that I think, divide? I think Russ stays. I think Brad stays. I think obviously they're going to have to uh, figure it out. It's kind of hard to lure a free agent over there, right? It's not like the most attractive place. It should be so easier, have to, I think. Oh, I love DC. Somewhat. Come I mean, on, guys, man. Like, guys love Russ. Guys love Russ. DC's a great city, but. In hindsight, maybe trust the draft a little bit more and still try to get those guys. But I don't see them buying them out. I think they still try to ride this one out um, just because of the cultural impact guy Russ is over there. You know what I'm saying? Like the behind the scenes. And, you know, Bradley Bill has been very good at kind of expressing how much he admires and looks up to Russ and how he carries himself and how he's become a better player, you know, being around him because of the intensity. And sometimes... um, the basketball side hasn't showed that too much and it's kind of showing it now because they've been winning ball games and obviously Russ is still playing at a high level at 32. Um, but yeah, I think, I think they kind of just gut it out and, and, and see what they can, can do. I think they can still make a run. I, you know, obviously when you get a new teammate, it's kind of hard to learn on the fly, you know, and, yeah. and, and try to put together something. So I, I give those two maybe another year. You know, and it, and if it and if it really fails, then you kind of decide what you want to do right then and there. But they they enjoy playing with each other, and I think the young guys enjoy having that leadership too. And they're in no rush to like I think win now. I don't think they ever put that out there where they're just like, we got to make something happen really quick. And I I, I know you well, mentioned the whole about thing. It's the all whole about growth of those young players. Yeah, it, the whole thing is about Bradley Beal, right? And, and and there are no indications that he wants to leave. None whatsoever. For, from everything I've heard, I mean, you talk to Fred Katz, it just seems like that's not a thing. But this is the NBA, and I think that if you're a team like the Wizards, who I give a lot of respect to for not bottoming out ever, they're, they're always trying to win. I mean, I guess John Wall aside, they're always trying to win, and I, I give them a lot of credit for that. But at some point, you actually have to win or we know how the NBA operates, right? That that's the problem. I hear you hear a lot of stuff in the NBA circles about the Wizards ownership group. And and to your what you were asking uh Trey Dave, I, I think they go the other way this summer. I think I don't know if they package some of the young guys and try to get another guy, but that owner is dead bent on making the playoffs every year. That owner you, you go down there's a reason why he brought why Russ is here. There's a reason Beal's locked up. There's a reason they give Bertans that money. They they find it a failure if they don't make the playoffs like I I think if they don't I, I'm curious if they get in the playing game but don't make the 
playoffs, I think Brooks gone. Um, I think that's the question. I think this ownership group is going to go for it. And as long as that, I forget who's the owner. Um, I can't, I don't know his name, but just the stories you hear. Ted, Ted Leonsis. Yeah. He wants to win and he, he finds the playoffs as a marker of, of winning, whether it's, it's real or not. And I think that's why you see a little bit of the trouble the wizards have gone through as, uh, as an organization the last few years. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they go the other way and try to bring in one more person. If they get in the play in, it's like, Oh, we're right there. We can do it. Russ is resurrected. Beal's still here. Ertans can play. We just need one more piece. I wouldn't be surprised if they go that way instead of embracing the youth like I think that they should. Um, I mean, I'm in the camp of they should trade Beal. I just don't think that this group as constructed is going to do anything of significance. And I'm with you, Dave. Like, I like when teams go for it. Um, I, I like not losing to lose. Like, I get the business side of it. But the Wizards have tried for so many years and it just hasn't worked in their favor that I think you do got to shake things up and you have one of the best trade pieces in all the NBA. But like I said, I I just I see them going forward even more, putting all the chips in the pot if that opportunity presents itself this offseason. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. And uh, and as we wrap up the show this week, I, I do want to mention that Lamarcus Aldridge felt an irregular heartbeat during a game, and and it was scary enough that that he decided to retire. Um, I, I don't want to get into the irregular heartbeat thing because we don't know where it came from. I hope he's healthy and and happy and all those things, right? Like, wish him luck, and that is scary as hell. Um, 
But I want to talk about LaMarcus's career a little bit because this is what you do when a guy retires. We just normally get to do it in the summer. Um, this guy was a great player. And I will always think about one of those seasons with Tim Duncan because that was just, I don't know, it was just interesting. Like the way that I felt LaMarcus allowed Tim Duncan to get an extra season of high-level Tim Duncan was fun. And the the seasons with Brandon Roy. That that's like my favorite Lamarcus Aldridge time, and, and you know it's interesting. I mean, we we talk about bigs who could shoot the mid range, and bigs who could shoot the three. Well, I think Lamarcus. You know, if you go back and you pull twenty one year old Lamarcus Aldridge out of Texas now, you put him in the league. I mean, this guy is. is I mean, is he an MVP candidate because of the way he can shoot the three and kind of put the ball on the floor? I, I think that. He was he sort of bridged the gap to a certain degree. Had an amazing I, I, career. I think it was Zach Lowe who tweeted it and said it best. As soon as the news that Lamarcus was retiring, he's like, I can as soon as I heard that, you could just picture him on the left block with the turnaround. And I think any guy that retires and you can envision something like their go to, their they had something about them, the uniqueness, a go to that guy is always good in your books. And I think LaMarcus offensively, like you said, Dave, just he wasn't ahead of his time, but I agree with you that he was a guy who if put in today's game would have adapted accordingly and could have been an absolute monster. But for him to work the mid range, like he did, you never really heard a peep out of LaMarcus Aldridge. He just put his head down, did his work. Guys didn't want to go against him. Nobody really said anything like, uh, like uh, what, who said that thing about Gobert when he was, uh, <laughs> defending him i forget who it was just uh was it ronde hollis no it wasn't him yeah and yeah i don't yeah it, it was somebody people hammer but, go bear yeah you people didn't want to go against la they knew they were in for a long night and any guy that you know when it's you see portland you see san antonio and you know you have to strap the boots up like that's a guy that you just absolutely love anybody who watches basketball love lamarcus aldridge he was unique um he bridged the gap of like the early 2000s to now with a little bit of rashid and and but still was found, found a way to be effective in today's game. Um, I yeah, I think he's a Hall of Famer. And uh, yeah, well, I'm, see, that I'm, was my I'm next gla- question. What if you, you jumped the gun? <laughs> yeah, the what ifs. Yeah, I agree. The, the what ifs, like that whole Portland era, was just riddled by what ifs. Like, what if Greg Oden had stayed healthy? Would he and Lamarcus Aldridge have like like halted the league from <laughs> from trans? transforming into such a three-point happy league because they would have just killed everybody if brandon roy had stayed healthy that team was just spectacular if 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 he had had just gotten along with with damian lillard you know like how different would things have been for that franchise and and so you you think of a lot of what ifs and like his career could have gone like it, it doesn't take much to think of his career going very differently than it did, and he was fantastic anyway. Um, right. But if if you know a few things had gone differently, then then maybe he has you know a few championships, and we're talking about him a lot differently than we do today. Trey, I know you're like tied into Portland about as as well as anybody. I mean, you know, there was always this thought that Lamarcus might come back and finish his career there. You know, we've talked about that a lot the last few years. Is there interest? You know, do they want to bring him in? Can they? Does he help them? Is there you you feel like there's some disappointment that that never happened? Because I, I know that Portland fans still really love LaMarcus Aldridge. 
Uh, I don't think there's no disappointment. I think uh, early on when it actually, when he decided to be a free agent and he was kind of flirting with the idea of joining Tyson Chandler in the Phoenix Suns, um, San Antonio was just the best spot for him. You know, they kind of pieced it up where he would replace Tim Duncan. Not, you can't replace Tim Duncan, but kind of it was, right. would work around for him, right? And he gave Portland some great years. And obviously, you know, um, as Damian Lillard's star was growing, you know, the torch had to be passed. And, you know, there were situations where, you know, he probably maybe felt like he was the number one option still. And, you know, damn good, you know, seven all, seven-time all All-Star, um, 49 points away from 20,000. Um, and got a chance to, you know, reunite with, you know, obviously uh, him and Kevin had a relationship um, in Texas. He hosted Kevin when he was a freshman um, coming in to go to UT. So, you know, to be able to, you know, join the Brooklyn Nets and try to do what he wanted to do um, was uh, ideal, you know what I mean? And and they probably could have brought him back to Portland um, during the bio, but it didn't make sense with having Nurture still there, you know, and his yeah. role wouldn't have no. been as big. But um, everything happens for a reason. Um, and I'm just glad that, uh, you know, they caught it when they did. Um, an unnamed source said that, you know, pretty much uh, LaMarcus just wasn't, you know, he kind of was feeling weird against the Lakers. And I know, like, Twitter was having a great time about how Drummond played and, you know, his defense could have been better. He even spoke out and said, you know, my defense could have been better. And then you see the next day he's out with illness and everybody assumes COVID. Mm -hmm. He just wasn't feeling right and he knew he wasn't feeling right. And obviously after multiple tests and talking to his family – just wasn't worth it it wasn't worth it and then you have obviously jeff green on your team as well who had open heart surgery and has dealt with you know heart issues as well you know i mean he's made a fair amount of money and he's well liked and if he actually wants to be around this game i think he can have a front office position or you know work close by but you know life is bigger than bigger than basketball at some point so i'm just glad that he's at peace um and you know he got the love that he was supposed to get and he can move forward with this. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, no one wants to walk away that way. Like I mentioned earlier, 49 points from 20K. That's like two games, three games. You know, but your life is way more important than points. Yeah. Uh, well, we're the Hall of Fame committee. Is he a Hall of Famer? Uh, James, absolutely. you said yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And he gets his Unanimous? number retired in Portland. Yeah, seven-time Ooh. All-Star. He's in. Yeah. I Jay? It's cool. He's I don't know. <laughs> he's, better, he's better than some guys in the Hall. Uh, he is. That's what I sure. base it off. He's yeah. in 19K. It makes it hard too, right? Because 19K, like, seven, we hold seven these guys All-Star. to the standard that they're playing in. And I just think players generally are so much better now. But I, I'm with Trey here. He's saying, I mean, guy basically scored 20,000 points. I think that's a Hall of Famer. Shit, yeah, he should be I, in the Hall of Fame just for what he did to, to Steven Adams that one series, man. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. Nothing Steven Adams could do. <laughs> Aldridge on that low block. I forgot about that. Oh, my. Well, respect Good. to LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, wish, wish him a happy retirement. For Trey, for James, for Jay, I'm Dave. This was Basket Buds on the Athletic NBA Show.